Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman and I am your host. And if this is your first time tuning in, then this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business personal or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover or shaker in their industry, and really walk through their story, how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode, I want to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast and share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think will get some value out of it. Now on to today's guest. I am sitting down with Mark Metry, who's a certified nutrition coach. He was named LinkedIn's top 10 voices in North America for mental health. He's a best-selling author, a top 100 global podcast host, and a two-time TEDx keynote speaker. Mark and I are going to dive into a number of different topics, but one that we're really going to dive deep into is just the concept of nutrition and the awareness around it. So on today's episode, keep an open mind as this is going to be more of a educational style episode versus more of a conversational style episode. So keep that in mind. And as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time to hop on the Next Level Minds podcast. Chris, thank you for having me. Really an honor to be here. Yeah, brother. I know uh, we've been following each other on Instagram for, for a couple of months now. And like, it's cool because like we've seen each other's content on my stuff and your stuff. And it's like, I'm just excited to dive into the conversation as we get closer here. Totally, man. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned just in general is that you know we got to keep having conversations about important stuff, even if it's not you know, popular to do, or if it's not super cool. So I'm excited and I'm glad that, you know, you've created a platform where you systematically continuously do this. So I'm excited. Yeah, brother. Absolutely. Um, so, so speaking of platforms, I know you used to have your own platform, um, the, the, the humans 2.0 podcast and you yeah. had the book screw being shy. Um, you know, I was actually a LinkedIn follow of yours when you were posting a lot about humans 2.0 and screw being shy. Um, still follow your content, of course, but I know it has shifted a bit. So can you kind of touch on that background of kind of first getting started on those lens? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I started a podcast back in 2017 and, you know, I was super young and I was just like exploring and discovering and trying to create stuff and trying to learn as much as I can. And I really just like use that podcast to just like meet all kinds of people, get introduced to a bunch of different kinds of ideas and that podcast like really just became like the 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 launching board you know really for just like my career that led me into like speaking and and coaching and writing a book um and then i wrote a book called screw being shy that was about social anxiety and that was really about my life you know like i had grown up uh you know when i was a kid when i was a teenager when i was in college super super shy uh, you know, had social anxiety, had a bunch of other, you know, physical health, mental health issues that we can touch on. Uh, but I wrote that book to really just like help people who are in the same position as me just get out of it because the things that I had to discover, I realized a lot of them are not really, you know, out there. Uh, now in 2023, there, a lot of them are starting to, to, uh, like different tips and stuff. They're starting to come out. And, you know, now what I do is I, I'm a mental health counselor and I'm a nutrition coach. And I kind of focus on like this intersection between like brain health, mental health and nutrition. And it's really just because like I learned, man, like when I, when I became, for example, like a top 10 LinkedIn voice in mental health in North America, or when I started doing these things, I really started to realize like everywhere I went, some of the biggest things that are causing issues or actively making them worse is food. You know, so for like for me personally, maybe other than like early on humans 2.0, for me personally, I haven't shifted. I'm still talking about the same stuff, but now I've just gotten a little bit like clearer more of my message because I've realized like 
there's only so many tips that I can give people about, uh, you know, mindset and like how to calm yourself down and how to not be anxious when the reality, like it comes down to like the black and white stuff uh, that people do every single day. And like a huge component of that and how our brain works and how we feel has to do with nutrition. And like, we just happens to be alive in a time 2023 where in my opinion, you know, food is really being used as a weapon, you know, because if I had to, like, if I was an evil king and I was like, man, if I don't want anyone to be more powerful than me, if I don't want anybody to think that they could overthrow me, if I want people to be weak, if I want people to be uh, fighting amongst themselves to have physical health to mental health issues, the first thing that I would do is I would weaponize nutrition i weaponize food mm. and i tell people hey the food you eat doesn't matter uh i'd you know work with a bunch of billion dollar corporations that don't care about nutritional quality and are just for profits and that's exactly what's happening in the world today and so for me me talking about nutrition it's really the same thing i've always talked about it's just a more tangible and practical tool and, and it's just like the more like i've been doing this stuff for like the last seven, eight years now. And mm. every single year in my head, in my perspective, the, the, the objective has gotten even more refined mm. to like so many issues that we see it's actively caused or exponentially made worse by food. And no one is really talking about it or they're not talking about it in the right way. They're not thinking about it in the right way in today's world. So that, that was a transition for me, man. It was like a very, I had to like wake up. And, and then there was another part of it too, where I was like, there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to talk about within this realm. That's going to piss off a lot of people. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to unfollow me because like we live in a world where, you know, like just specifically for nutrition, nutrition is like religion. People have gotten so dogmatic. It's just about beliefs. Oh, I believe this food. I believe that. I believe this about food it has nothing to do with facts. And so like in that space, there's been so much confusion, you know, and there's been so many problems um, within that space, you know. And so I had to once I sort of like mustered up enough like, you know, courage or balls to, you know, be like, hey, I got to start talking about this stuff and I got to be honest that I don't care what people think or how they perceive me. That's really where I started to go all into this food and nutrition stuff, because it goes a lot deeper than a lot of, than what a lot of people think. Yeah. And we're going to get there in a little bit for sure. Um, what well, we, we only blocked off six hours for the, and no, I'm just kidding, but, uh, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Um, so, so real quick, and I want to dive into to some of the issues, um, that come from, you know, improper nutrition, if you will. But, uh, you talked about, you know, screw being shy, your book and, uh, one of the reasons why you wrote it was, was some of the um, challenges that you had at an earlier age. So, so would you mind touching on those a little bit? I'm sure some of the listeners may, may get some advice out of how you overcame those. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. So for me, um, you know, I grew up, I, I had a great family. Uh, my parents came to America from Egypt, like a, a couple years before I was born. So grew up poor um, at one point which is also the same time that 9-11 happened. Um, I ended up moving to this, uh, like this small town where uh, I was basically the only person there who uh, like physically looked different than everybody else. And also at the time of 9-11, mm. you know, and if you were Middle Eastern or anything like that, you know, I got hit with so much hatred uh, at a young age and I was just in that environment for about 10 years where it literally just like put me, put my brain in this like sort of cage where, you know, through, through bullying, through not having friends through, you know, wasn't really physically active, wasn't eating well, uh, you know, wasn't socially active, things like that. I just sort of like went down and, and entered like this like cave um, mm. for about 10 years and eventually got to the point where I went off to college and when I went to college, I, uh, I became obese. Um, I, you know, couldn't sleep at night, got insomnia, started, you know, drinking, uh, started just engaging in all these habits, had all these different health issues. Um, and honestly, man, like at one point, uh, you know, there was a time where 
I was like suicidal and like for mm-hmm. literally like an entire winter, I was, I was straight up suicidal, like in the, the, the Valley of darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, and really through that period, I didn't know it back then, but now I know it then now I know it now, excuse me. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, given a gift, you know, I feel like I, I access some spiritual, uh, realm of life. I, I think that, uh, you know, really God saves me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not, and then, you know, if people are more interested too, if people go on Google and you look up, uh, my name, Mark Metry, and you type in take care films. There was like this whole documentary studio that like approached me right before COVID and it just came out like a couple months ago. So they made like this whole like That's little cool. like mini documentary about that. So if people want to know more about that. I talk like a lot more in depth um, about that stuff in that like mini, I think it's like a seven, nine minute, like little like animated like oh, cool. documentary film. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, and so that was really it, man. And, and like over the years, I really started to understand that like i have to work myself out of this and i have to rewire my brain and i have to you know rethink the way that i that i think about life and i have to go all into my health and and like ever since then it's, it was just like a gradual climb progression year after year then i started a podcast and then people someone invited me to speak and then i just started to slowly kind of understand what i went through and 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 how it's like a thing you know social anxiety um and it's a it's a real serious problem that unfortunately it has gotten worse um and so with my book and i still talk about it people still ask me to speak about it social anxiety is like another one of those things where it's a meta problem because if someone is afraid to be themselves in front of other people they're not going to you know speak up in that meeting or, or, you know, do well at their job or in their career or have a lot of friends. And, you know, if you don't have friends and you have a, you know, sort of poor social community, your self-esteem suffers. And then when your self-esteem suffers, then people, their mental health suffers. And then people are in substance abuse and social isolation and suicidal behavior, which is, which is like all the same things that happened to me. Mm. And so it's definitely a huge problem. I still talk about it. Um, and it's it's definitely like one of the biggest problems that I hope I'm, you know, like known for like helping out in that community in my lifetime. Yeah, no, I appreciate you touching <laughs> on all that. And I want to watch this documentary um, <laughs> after this because I'm sure it's awesome. And uh, man, the, the coolest thing about that story that I liked uh, hearing is, is that one day you just kind of decided, hey, like, I need to change. I need to put health first. You know, I need to become the best version of me. Um, Cause I think a lot of times you meet people who are, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old and they're just like stuck in this cycle. And it's like, well, you know, I grew up like this and this and this and this, and I kind of let that define my entire existence, which you of course have done the complete opposite. Yeah, man. I mean, it's tough, you know, and I got lucky too. You know, I happen to have a mom and a dad, you know, they weren't alcoholics, drug yeah. addicts, you know, so I definitely got lucky. I also was raised in a, um, I'm Coptic Orthodox Christian. So I was also raised in a Christian household, which I think unknowingly helped me out a thousand percent. Um, so I definitely got lucky in, in some regards and, you know, ultimately, you know, why I do what I do is just like try to help awaken people to the same perspective, whether they had the same opportunities as me or not, you know, because at the end of the day, whether it was this person's fault or that or this or that, it's still your life, you know, and you still got to yeah. wake up every day as you and and no one's coming to save you. No parent, no government, no nothing. It's on you, you know? And so I just woke up to that brutal reality as well. Yeah, no, I, I like that, man. No, no one is coming to save you, but, but you at the end of the day. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. So, so let's dive into some, some food stuff, which I know uh, is what you're really passionate about. Um, I, I, I know you mentioned a lot of issues come from, from improper nutrition. I, I think I read the other day and this may have been on your site, but was, was it 75% of mental health issues come from, from food? Is that correct? Or. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I just sort of made up that stuff. So like a, it's like an official statistic yeah, from like yeah, yeah, stuff like, or anything like that. But yeah, I posted that on my social media and like the reason why I said that, and I honestly, I should have, I should have uh, redone it and I should have said. 
75% of mental health issues are caused or the recovery is made mm. impossible by food. That's what I should have said. And the reason why I said that is because even if you have like a mental health issue that has nothing to do with food, food is going to be the way that you actually fix your brain and recover. And like, what I mean by that is this, right? Let's say someone, you know, they, they went through a, a divorce, right? They had a, a, a partner they thought they loved. Turns out this partner was cheating on them, ended up divorcing them, takes half their money. They go through this entire sort of like social embarrassment with their friends and their family and, and her family. It's a, it's a horrible situation. It happens all the time. And this person, as a result, you know, they're left depressed. They're, mm -hmm. they're left betrayed, you know, and they try to wake up every morning and they try to do different things. They try to, what, what you know, whatever, pray. They try to meditate. They try to exercise. They try to do whatever. And like, they still find themselves in like this stuck sort of state of mind where they're depressed. Food is going to be one of the few things that can actually get you out of that systematically. Because like when you're depressed, it's very hard to, to you know, get up and be like, man, I'm going to, you know, start this new habit or I'm going to go, you know, do this thing that may not even work. But if you're depressed and you wake up and you're like, hey, I know I'm depressed. I'm sad. I can barely function. Let me just focus on what am I going to eat for breakfast? Mm. And someone focuses on what, what they can eat for breakfast. And they're like, okay, I'm, I'm listening to Mark's podcast or I read his book. And he talks about the importance of, you know, eating healthy protein and fat uh, for your brain. So then this person, they start to eat eggs in the morning. Then they start to eat, you know, like some fruit for, you know, some healthy carbs and some nutrients. And now they just, you know, went through breakfast, you know, they're still depressed and they go take a shower. They come back, they work, they do whatever, they have lunch. They're depressed. They can't really focus on much, but they're just like, Hey, let me just try to focus on, you know, cooking myself lunch or if they're at home or let me try to focus on preparing lunch. And they force themselves to sort of prepare like a healthy lunch for their brain. And they do the same thing for dinner. If that person does the same exact thing every single day, even if they're depressed, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they start adding in a protein shake. They start looking into like certain supplements. They start to experiment. They start to, to do these things. All of a sudden, like within a three months, after three months, they're going to notice, even if they're the most depressed person in the world, their entire baseline for how their body, for how their nervous system is going to be operating, it's going to be completely different, even if they're still depressed. Mm. And so what that'll do is that'll give them that 25%, that 30%, that 40% edge to, you know, instead of the end of end of their workday, and they're just like so tired mentally, they have brain fog, and they just like want to watch TV all day. If they have that much little bit of energy, they have that much more focus from food, that's what's going to propel them at, on a realistic level to then not watch TV for the rest of the day and do something that might be healthy. They might go to the park with their family. They might you know, hang out with their friends. They might do something that is considered healthy versus if they were depressed and they were just eating pizzas mm. and, and cookies and cakes and hot dogs. There's no way that person after three months is going to have even 5% more energy. They're going to have the opposite. They're going to have... Uh, a 25, a 50% decrease in energy, an increase in anxiety, an increase in headaches, an increase in insomnia. So now you have someone, they've got a little bit of insomnia, they've got headaches, of course, and then they've got maybe a previous situation that happened in their life that was traumatic that made them depressed. Of course, that person is going to be struggling, especially if they don't eat well. So that's like one scenario where even if, you know, you're, someone's already eating a healthy diet and then something happens to them, they can still use food as a way to make their recovery a little bit better. Then there's like another example. And I see this other example, uh, which is like kind of like the second type of person, usually in like more younger people, like people on the younger side of things, hmm. where it's people and they grew up as a kid eating you know, chicken nuggets and French fries and 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 ho hos and and cakes and ice cream and uh, you know this kind of like standard, um, you know, traditional kind of diet in the modern world that we have here. 
And what happens is as this person gets older as a kid, what actually starts to happen is that their brain, their neurotransmitters, their hormones literally do not have enough nutrients. They are not taking enough in to operate and function at a regular level. And usually the first thing that happens to someone is they start getting uh, problems with their digestive system. They start to get uh, autoimmune type issues like asthma, rashes, and then they start to get mental health issues. And it's like literally in line. And a lot of times we think that mental health is something that, you know, is separate from like medical things or it's like separate from like our just our everyday. But the reality is like there is a direct connection. And I can explain this like through the science. There's a direct connection of how like your mental health literally gets shut down when you become unhealthy. And when I think back to when I was 18 and when I was in college and I became obese and I stopped sleeping and I started drinking alcohol and I stopped consuming, you know, nutrients, what happened was my gut microbiome, which is like an ecosystem of trillions of bacteria in our body that process all the food that we eat that started to get messed up. And when that starts to get messed up, it sends a direct signal to your brain that gives you brain fog and can literally cause all sorts of mental health issues. And so it's like literally like an algorithm, like what happens with someone, they get a little bit of like digestive type issues. Not always though. Some people don't get it. They get some kind of immune or it could even be like allergies, you know, like, um, like for example, like, I don't know if people know this or not, but a lot of the reasons why people get allergies, like seasonal allergies, is because of their immune system and their gut microbiome. I used to have the same thing and I fixed it and now I don't get allergies anymore, you know? And so then what happens after that is then your mental health sort of starts to, to suffer through something called the vagus nerve, which is the biggest nerve that we have in our central nervous system. It's tied from our brain to our gut. It's like where our stomach is, to where all of our food is processed. Um, and, and then like, and then on top of that too, like, I'm sure maybe you've heard this, but like one of the key, like neurotransmitters in our brain that has been a lot of, like, there's been a lot of talk in terms of like mental health, uh, is called serotonin and it, it controls your mood. It controls so much of our, of our sort of like our thoughts, our happiness, 90% of our, our serotonin receptors are actually in our gut, not mm-hmm. in our brain. Wow. And so when you look at that. And you sort of see what's happening in our country. A hundred million people have diabetes or pre-diabetes. I think it's even more now. Uh, Literally all the kids, especially if they're boys, they're all being drugged Mm. for for ADHD, for some sort of behavioral issue. Almost all of them. Like it's, I forget the statistic, but it's like, it's so many of them. And you look at all these different issues, the, the mental health epidemic that we have happening um, the, 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 the issues with like, um, you know, performance and people not being able to be productive and people, you know, feeling like they don't have enough time or energy in their day, all these things are caused by food, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you look at it, for example, like, you know, you look at, for example, the health issues that we have and it's like, okay, so much of the, the health issues that we have, it's tied to the, the healthcare industry and the healthcare industry, you know, it's tied with, you know, Medicare and all of these, you know, uh, social service uh, government programs that have so much to do with how money works in our society. And like all these things are connected from every level of individuality and at our, at a big picture level, you know? And so food is really like our physical health, our mental health, our, our, our our country, our economy, it's all tied together, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think people are just starting to uh, sort of awaken to how big, this uh this like 16 headed beast really is in our society yeah brother i mean that was that was <laughs> awesome dude i love that you you mentioned all that and uh i i think you did a great job at breaking down like the connectivity um with food and, and you know my points are i've definitely seen that more and more with with kids it seems like all of them are on some sort of like medicine um and then you know this blew my mind the other day i was in i want to say like Publix, and i saw this like tricks breakfast bar um and it was like it was like you know a healthy option for kids and i looked at the back and it was like not even like i didn't even look up the preservatives it was just like an absurd amount of sugar and i'm like what like what parent buys this for their kid right i'm like 
it's that crazy is man. absurd and then i think that goes into like what you were talking about at the end of your point you like why are these things just getting pushed so hard on society because if you look at some of the ingredients in our food and you pop over to europe it's like whoa that's definitely illegal, totally different you know so <laughs> yeah. it's I don't know so if you crazy had a man. point there or not but yeah like, of course you know what you know what's funny is i was at the grocery store today you're not even i'm not even kidding like when i tell you what i saw i saw a sour patch popcorn sour patch flavored popcorn there's like all these things and and it, you know what it really is, man, is like as a former like entrepreneur marketer, it, it's really like a, uh, it, it's like, man, I just see like all that, all their marketing departments working so hard to like cross-reference yeah. all these data points and, and find, oh, this is going to sell the most. And oh, if we do this and with this color, this is going to sell the most. And I think really like what has happened, right, is that when we like create systems in our society and these these systems optimize that's really where we sort of like get far away from like why people even started to do things in the first place, you know, like a food company that was started a hundred years ago in America by like some grandpa that then got bought out by some venture capital firm, which then their priorities optimize profits at all costs. Mm -hmm. And they hire this social media agency and this, you know, branding marketing agency, and they create this product and they figure out the exact way to sell it. And they use social media ads. It's really like the, the perfect trifecta of like what's happened of like peak technology peak sort of like business entrepreneurial systems being optimized. And then there's just like the blatant disregard of like food or even like using food as a drug in our society. And, you know, like I'll tell you that one of the biggest things that I've seen around this stuff is like when I started talking about food and nutrition, um, and I think this like answers like why is this stuff being pushed is that in a very general way, people don't care. Yeah. Like people, are, it's not that they don't care, but people are, are demoralized. People have been told by their doctor for 10 years, if they have diabetes or they have uh, mental health issues, that they can't do anything about their problems. And they just have to take a pill and just show up to their, you know, monthly checkup or every three month or every six months check in. And that's all they can do. Uh, you know, uh, people with or for example, parents who have kids who have mental health issues or behavioral issues, they're told, hey, this is your kid and they're this way and they have to take this pill and this is just what they've got to do. Uh, people are are no longer tied by a sense of community, by a sense of spirituality. Mm. Um, I know here like in the Northeast, um, you know, religion, which has like provided like the spiritual connectivity and, and, and just like our social connectivity for so many thousands of years is basically dead in like the Northeast of America. I know in the West coast, different parts, I'm sure in other areas of America. So I think that has created like this entire culture of it doesn't matter. We don't care because people are demoralized. They don't know what's right and they don't know what's wrong anymore. Mm. That coupled with this other sort of uh, part of our culture, which is like, uh, oh, you know, you can't judge someone for eating that Sour Patch flavored popcorn. Oh, oh, you know, if you tell someone to eat healthy, uh, you're actually shaming them. Or, or, or no, actually, you think that you're so good and you're so skinny to be healthy. And so, like, there's this entire culture that's also rising Mm. next to this culture of demoralization and who cares of like, don't judge people. Uh, it's sort of like individuality pushed to the maximum level of like, everyone should do whatever they want anytime, no matter what, no one can say anything about it. No one can shame them or judge them. And these two things combined with sort of like what's happened like the medical front with like health of, 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 you know, basically the healthcare industry telling people, for decades, like, hey, food has nothing to do with your health issues. Food has nothing to do with mental health. All these things combined together, plus this sort of big tech, big business, it has created like the the perfect time, like it's created the perfect storm. And it's a huge problem because it's gotten to that point where it's like, 
even if a lot of people are are sort of you know trying to go against this stuff or are trying to fight for the opposite. I mean, there's only so much that we can do. You know, it's almost like, you know, this might sound like pessimistic or depressing, but it's almost like the runaway train has gone has gone away from the station, and unfortunately now, it's just going to be a few people who who sort of, you know, whether it's because they see something online or they have a friend who tells them, it's going to be like those few people who start to wake up to like the true nature of how they should be feeding themselves how they should be feeding their family and their community. And that's really what we should all focus on, you know, and it's a huge problem and I don't know what the solution is, but. <laughs> yeah, man. And it, and it goes so deep too, unfortunately. And and that's, that's so a, deep. That's a really good point about like the demoralization. It's like, you know, frankly, just people like they, they don't care as much because they don't know like right and wrong. And I, it's sad too. It's like, you know, it's, it's, you're encouraging people to eat healthy and then you get like, shamed or canceled because you're you're they're like oh no you're making fun of fat people it's like no i'm trying to get them to change their life to to be better like because i've opened my eyes to see like that you know 95 percent of what's in the grocery stores is horrible for you um and and a lot of people don't realize that um you know like i used to think a nature valley bar with some peanut butter was like <laughs> pretty good for you um, and I'd be like, this is a great breakfast. And then I'm like, wait, no, like 90% of my food should be like whole nutritious foods, like fruit, eggs, red meat, all that stuff. Um, and I think you and I both reshared that one post, right. About the doctor. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you remember that one that I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It was something like, you know, if your doctor tells you to eat whole grain Cheerios to lower your cholesterol, yeah. to eat less meat, eat less eggs, eat more plant-based stuff, then you should fire your doctor. And um, I, honestly, man, I couldn't agree more. And like, uh, you know, I also, you know, one of my jobs, like as a mental health counselor, you know, so I see clients all the time. And I, I can't tell you, man, like sometimes I literally see people who like walk by my office and they're like drinking a Coca-Cola mm. and they're like, oh, my doctor told me to not eat red meat because it's so uh, un unhealthy. And they're like drinking a Coke and they're eating Cheerios. And it's just like. Oh my God. And yeah, it's, it's sad, man. You know, it's really it sad. And it's, it's gotten to this point where it's like, like, I don't know if people know this or not, but like doctors in medical school, they're not given like, uh, you know, nutrition is like a comprehensive topic and nutrition is a comprehensive topic. Like if you are really trying to solve your health issues with nutrition, you really should probably see some sort of a, like nutrition specialist, because there's so much knowledge out there that it can be contradicting. And it is sometimes depending on who the person is and what issues they have and at the right time. And the right advice could be good for someone, but then a year or two later, it actually could not be the right advice. So nutrition already is pretty complex. And so like what's happened is that in this gap of knowledge, doctors who are not taught about nutrition they just like push whatever their personal beliefs are mm. or or whatever they're they're told to say onto people and like you have a very very few rare like 5% of doctors who actually like take the time to like go get self educated on nutrition and learn really how it works and like now finally finally we're starting to see a shift in a lot of different doctors that are starting to realize like hey nutrition is actually supposed to be the number one thing that we talk about, not medication. But what's also happened, Chris, is that because healthcare, because the healthcare industry has told people for so many years, for so many decades that, hey, there's nothing you can do except take this pill, it has now created the mindset in people of, I shouldn't be accountable to my health and it's all the doctor's fault. And if he gives me, you know, the wrong pill and I want this other pill, I should go to a different doctor. And so now it's gone to that point where it's like, even if a doctor for the average person, if the doctor tells someone like, Hey, nutrition is what you should be focused on. You got to eat this, 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 and that. A lot of people are not even going to follow it mm. because they have been gotten so used to getting this pill, this instant fix for their problems. And so it's a really like challenging dilemma because it's like created this cycle where healthcare industry has sort of like either silently sat by 
while big food does its thing, or they've told people it has nothing to do with it. And now it's created this mindset where even if someone, you know, cares about their health, especially like maybe an older person, they still have like that deep-seated belief over the years of, oh, food isn't going to do anything. And I just got to look for the next pill. Oh, maybe this pill will work. Oh, maybe this pill will work. You know, and it's, it's sad to see, you know, and, um, and unfortunately, man, like our society does not have any solutions for this. Mm. You know, like, for example, like, uh, like, I don't know if you know anything about like, the opiate epidemic, but mm. like, um, I highly recommend people to look into this, but like, basically there was one pharma company that started the opiate epidemic in America. And they did this by, you know, going through every loophole through the FDA, through the medical system, buying out every doctor, uh, doing all these things. Opiate epidemic is still out there. Uh, it's gotten even you know worse. But like the one solution they have for that is like another pharmaceutical drug that people have to take for the rest of their lives. Because when you take something like an opiate, which is like a hardcore pharmaceutical, it literally robs your brain the ability for it to create its own neurotransmitters. Mm. So for the rest of your life, you're going to be deficient. So the only thing that they could come up with to fix that is another pharmaceutical. And so like a lot of these things that are happening to people, a lot of these issues, a lot of them are not reversible. It's caused really like un unforeseeable um, and long lasting damage, you know, and it's gone to that point where it's, um, you know, like the you know the the light at the end of the tunnel for some people is is getting weaker and weaker, you know as they continue to do this stuff and as they sort of run on this treadmill. Yeah, man, and I I um I totally agree with your point there, and and the whole pill perspective. It's like oh well we'll take this one, but then it's like well this is going to cause this, so now you're going to have to take this one, and then it's like now you're just permanently on on their system. And there's there's no there's no getting off it, you know, and yeah. and, uh, and and I would definitely say that in in like rare in certain circumstances in the right way under like the right supervision, sometimes some of those like pills can be OK. But the reality is, man, most of these people, especially like for men, like mental health drugs, most of these psychiatrists, like they have no idea what they're doing. They're literally just like randomly prescribing a cocktail of drugs um and they're hoping it works and sometimes they make the dose too high and the person has literally a, a, a mental breakdown and they have a mm -hmm. they have panic attacks every day for a week and then they go back to the doctor two weeks later and they bring the dose down but then now it's like they're asleep all day and so it's like it's really like this like it's like this yeah. flash fire it's like this hip fire it's just like random dumping of chemicals in people's brain, you know, and like there, you, in very rare circumstances, will you have like a chance where it's like, oh, this pill is actually the right thing to do at this right time that out of all the pros and cons is probably going to lead that person to the best life because of the money that's attached to it. And, and all these like doctors out here and, and um, like they used to call back in the opiate epidemic, they used to call like these certain doctor's offices pill mills. Hmm. Where people would come in, they get an appointment. Sometimes they wouldn't even see the doctor. They would see some nurse and they say, oh, I have pain in my leg. or And really they have an untreated addiction at the at the root of it. And they probably have some other health issues. And they're just like, yeah, here you go. Prescription, prescription, prescription. It's the same exact thing that's happening with mental health. Like literally I, I was watching uh, Hulu or, or one of these streaming things the other day and I saw an ad. And I literally saw the same ad like seven times. And it was like of this young, like Gen Z girl. And she was like laying on the bed and she was like, man, I was so depressed. And then I downloaded an app on my phone and I talked to, you know, some doctor for 30 minutes and he prescribed me, you know, uh, mental health, narcotics, hardcore duty drugs. Yeah. And there's literally no supervision. There's no checkup. You know, maybe there's a, an automated checkup like six months later but it's yeah, like yeah. if you're going to be giving people like these hardcore of drugs you need to have very 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 like close supervision it needs to be very 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 you know regulated between the doctor and their patient which is almost impossible 
possible because doctors don't have enough time, their schedule, the way that insurance, like all these things then tie into insurance and how doctors are paid and how they only have to work for like half a year and all these different things. And so it's definitely a really complicated issue, but um, I think the biggest thing is just like, you know, like if you can figure this stuff out for yourself as an individual and you can start to live this message in your life and your family and your close friends, they start to see the results and they start to get into it. I think that's really like the biggest degree of change. And honestly, this stuff like I'm talking about at a, at a big level, like this stuff is not going to change, man. If anything, it's going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And, so, and man, what, what would you say for, um, and I'm going to pull up one of your posts cause I want to reference this before we jump off. But, uh, while I'm doing that, if someone's like, all yeah. right, I listened to this podcast with Mark and like, I'm, I'm kind of getting the tip of the iceberg here, but like, I want to learn more. Like, do you have some, some book recommendations or anything like that? Or, um, or maybe accounts you know, so to follow, like, a- like stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I I feel like I've just I've read so many books over these years that like they've they've all they've all just like combined in my head as yeah. one. Um, I'm like trying to think. I mean, one person that um, you know, I like to I like to follow is uh this guy named um, uh, Max Lugavere. Hmm. Um, I think he he wrote a book called Genius Foods. I think or I think it's called Genius Brain or something. He talks about like brain health and and food and uh, like right right before COVID hit or I guess as COVID was hitting, I got the chance to like interview him in person on my podcast. We got to hang out. Nice. Um, I mean, that's one name that comes to mind, you know. But um, and honestly, like too, like this is the other thing. This is this goes the same for like all learning on social media, but especially with nutrition, it's like sometimes the less the better. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes like the, the less accounts, the less stuff you follow, the better, because think about it. Like if, if you see a piece of content that is like incorrect and you believe it, it's going to take so much energy and effort to actually get that idea out of your head yeah. than it is to actually, you know, like learn, like learn things, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know in terms of names and books, but. People can follow me. <laughs> oh yeah, no, dude, you got some solid content. And then uh, the speaking of that, and I think this is going to be a good uh, encompassing kind of last point here yeah. on the show. But yeah. I, I loved your post, um, and I'm going to read it where you said how to be an extremist in 2023. <laughs> uh, dude, I shared yeah. this with like a bunch of people, and it was you said you know eat red meat, cook your own food, work out at a gym slash prioritize health, be a Christian slash believe in God, reject degenerate behaviors, you know, hooking up, drinking, partying have a different opinion outside of mainstream media, believe in right and wrong morals, take responsibility for your life, and then be skeptical of big pharma, big food, big tech, and then the truth, my truth, which I love that point. So could you kind of summarize that, man? Because I I sent this to a lot of people and I'm like, dude, I'm going to lean in on all of these things hard. And you've probably seen with my content, like I've been posting more about God, I've been posting more about food, I've been posting more about personal development, because it's like, I think there's this big battle of good and evil going on. And I think guys like 100%. you and I are called to share like the truth and reality of what's going on. 100% man. And, and, and like the reality is like, whether people like it or not, the war is already happening. The war mm. has started ever since human existence. And mm. like, the truth is, is that so many of us, uh, especially like my generation, like younger people, so many of us, we were, uh, deceited and lied to into doing the opposite of those things on that list. Like don't eat red meat, uh, become a vegan, uh, become an atheist. Don't believe in religion. Oh, that's so stupid. Uh, you know, li- listen to what the, the, the people on the news, you know, always say, and they're always right and they can never be wrong. Uh, you know, just, just listen to what your doctor tells you all these things. We've all been lied into doing the opposite of the stuff. And it has created, like the perfect environment for all these terrible things in our society to happen. Mm. Poor health, uh, poor mental health. People are killing themselves left and right. There are all kinds of shootings, people doing all kinds of crazy things. And so all these things, like we're living in that society. Like I I have a friend, his name is uh, Will Preble. And he says like, you know, a lot of people, they think that, you know, in the future, we're going to live in like this super tech uh, dystopia well, people don't understand we're already living in it now. 
Mm. We are already living in the tech dystopia. We are already living in it. Now, that's not to say like life is terrible and and you know that everything sucks. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying we already live in the dystopia. You know, and so when we live in that dystopia, anybody who says the opposite of that is immediately hated. Mm. And like all those things on that list that I mentioned, these are all things that I clearly noticed over the years of me speaking out on that have gotten strong ideological reactions from a large amount of people, including my own friends, including other people, all different kinds of people from all walks of life. And a lot of it, you know, like I'm, I'm all for people disagreeing. You know, if someone disagrees with me based on facts, based on, right, um, you know, like verifiable evidence, things like that, like I'm all for that. I'm all for having a debate. I'm all for, you know, trying to figure out the truth. But once we get into like different things where it's like, you know, you, you tell someone, oh, you believe in God or you're a Christian or whatever. And they're like, oh, you know, you're a, a, a homophobic, transphobic, uh, you know, patriarchal, misogynist, all these things that like have been embedded. Like that's that's where things become wrong, because you right. are sort of like you have a group of people in your head that you've painted incorrectly because of this other ideology that is really the one that's lying and being deceited, deceitful to you. Um, you know, and, and like, there's been so many times, man, like I, I remember one time I, um, I spoke at a university like right before COVID mm-hmm. and after I spoke, um, an administrator came up to me after and they were like, yo, you know what you said was very offensive. And they told me all these things. And I remember like talking to a bunch of different people who like listened to my talk and no one told me anything in regards to that. And so that to me gave me a very clear like indication of like, listen, if someone comes up to me and they, you know, give me feedback like, hey, Mark, you know, I don't agree with this, this, that's fine. But if you say that, you know, my talk was offensive and it hurt people's feelings and there's no specific reason why. And, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I clearly didn't do anything, you know, say anything wrong or incorrect. And you're trying to create an environment where people can only say the right things and, and different people are not allowed. Like, like I, that, that's terrible, man. You know, and especially like for me, like being a, like a son of uh, like immigrants mm-hmm. to this country and like at the early part of my life, like being hated because I was different because of my skin color. It's literally the same thing, but now it's because of my beliefs and because my ideas and like, for example, just like the religious part, right? I'm Coptic Orthodox Christian. I'm a, you know, I'm from, I'm from Egypt. Uh, my religion of Christianity, it, it's like the minority. It's like 9%, 8% of people in Egypt. Uh, same thing with like the Middle East. They're either non-existent or like they're a very small minority. My ancestors for thousands of years have been living in this war where they have all been actively persecuted and murdered for their beliefs. Mm. And so I look at that, what happened in the past. I look at what's happening now. I look at this whole culture that we're seeing. And it's terrible, man. It's terrible because it's one of those things where it's like, I'll talk to younger people. Not all of them. A lot of younger people have like an open mind. And and there's actually a lot of younger people who are a lot more receptive to this stuff than than actually older uh, people from from older generations, which is very interesting uh, to see. And I'm, I'm sure it exists on both sort of groups. But... I talk to some younger people, man, and I see them right away where I start talking about certain ideas. I start saying certain things. They immediately put the filter in their brain. They immediately labeled, oh, this is one of those guys. Uh, he's crazy. He's a whatever conspiracy theorist. He he hates this. He does that. And instantly, like just all the, the open-minded critical thinking skills just shut down. Yeah. And then their emotions come up, cognitive dissonance, they start getting angry, they start making points that aren't based off logic or reason, just based off emotion. And it's like, it's it's a, it's a virus, and it's a virus that like stops people from thinking, and it penetrates every single part of our of our society. And like, you know, one, one, one quick thing that I'll say too, is that one of the biggest things that made me actively talk about this was on my YouTube channel, I covered this in a YouTube video, where... Um, on TikTok, one of the biggest uh, food companies, I'm not going to mention which one, one of the biggest food companies in the world that produces a lot of junk food, snack foods, they created a TikTok campaign 
with a group of influencers. I think one of them was a nutritionist or a dietitian who worked at the food company. And then they hired all these different kinds of people. Um, I'm not going to say more, but they just hired all different yeah. kinds of people. And they literally paid all these people to create this entire campaign. I don't, you might've heard of this. It was like went viral back, but they created this entire campaign where it was like, Oh, there's no such thing as a food that's good or bad. And if you say that a food is bad and, and like the example was they had a plate of donuts. If you say that food is bad, that's because you are uh, a privileged and it comes from a hierarchical society based on, who has more power and it's, you know, it's privileged and it's, um, and you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, making fun of people or you're, 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 uh, you're torturing people who have eating disorders. And they created like this entire campaign that was like, and they had like a nutritionist dietitianist behind it. And it was like, look at this entire campaign where like, they're taking these things that like everyone cares about of like, yeah, we all should treat each other with kindness. That's like a given. Every human should be yeah. treated like that. They're taking like these basic things and they are like bastardizing them and they're putting them in front of their terrible cookies or their terrible junk food, which is just sugar, which is just like literally over the years making people sicker and it's killing them. And so like when I saw that of like this big food company taking advantage of like these ideas that are being pushed as like, uh, you know, good ideas to have – and they're sort of weaponizing that. That to me was like an immediate thing of like these companies are using straight up psychological social warfare. For example, another uh, another example is um, there's like this former consultant of Coca-Cola that came out and he basically said that I forget how many years ago it was, but it was something like um, there was a time where like there was a bill that was being passed in the government to either I think it was either reduce or eliminate the amount of soda that people can buy on food stamps. Hmm. So then um, this huge soda company funds a, a a group that's something, I forget the name of it, but it's something like Hispanics for America. And they basically made this group then advocate to the government and say, oh, this bill is actually racist because of this, 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 and that. Wow. And so what's happening now is that all these companies are using all these ideas to sort of like literally sugarcoat and sort of evangelize their products really when they're the same old crap that's killing people. And so now what's happening is that's also sort of like part of the strategy that's occurring that's really like confusing, demoralizing, uh, telling people, oh, don't, if you say this, you say that, you're going to shame people. You're going to, you know, people are going to hate you, all this stuff that we just talked about. And so it's all these different things. And like when I saw this stuff, I was like, I, I cannot be silent yeah. about this anymore because there are so many direct connections that, you know, I know if I stay silent about this stuff and, you know, one day when I have kids and I, and I talk to them and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to tell my kids that I was silent right. throughout this period, especially knowing all the things that I know and, and knowing the people that I know and the ideas and, and the, the last several years uh, of like my experience and seeing what I've seen, like there's no going back, you know, and you know, people might call me weird or whatever, but I don't really care, man. <laughs> Dude, no, I appreciate you mentioned that. And I think I saw that campaign you're referencing. And uh, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like the execs of these big food companies. I bet you, if you asked every single one of them, Hey, what do you feed your kids for breakfast? I bet you none of them would be feeding their kids their product because they know how bad it is for them. Um, and I mean, I don't know if you, you saw that Jesse, it's their post on Instagram a while back, but he, it was either one of the vitamin makers or like Kellogg's or something. And he was basically like, yeah, the cereal hey. companies. <laughs> yes. He was like, Hey, I want to talk to the maker of lucky charms, the, like the CEO in charge. And I, I think he was willing to pay like a hundred thousand dollars for like five minutes on Instagram live. So everyone could see it. And they like kept refusing to talk to him. And it's like, if you don't have anything to hide, then go talk to him. You know, and it's it's ridiculous. So, dude, it's it's crazy, man. I actually I met Jesse Itzler, and, and cool. uh, we actually had the same exact conversation. And he has literally been doing this, like like he's been trying to do this for like eight years. Yeah, and he's won't. had no, no success. But I wish he does. You know, and I I think ultimately it's going to take different people from varying positions of power 
at an individual level or at a bigger level to just like all stand up. And ultimately at the end of the day, like companies are all led by demand, like supply and demand, right? So if the consumer changes really what they want, then companies will have to change. You yeah. know, like we've slowly, slowly started to see that. But the other thing about it too is like informed consent, right? So people, especially companies, they figured out all these loopholes to, you know, pass the FDA, to like market their food in a certain way, to, um, you know, teach people that food is this way. Like there's so many misinformation campaigns where it's almost like people don't have the objective information in front of them to then make that informed choice of what they're buying, you know? And so it also ties back to like education and also misinformation, mm. you know? And like, for example, even ask, ask women, like ask any woman and you talk to her about like, you know, her, her weight or the health and wellness industry, the health and wellness industry has like been waging war on like women and taking advantage of the, the way that women perceives themselves and how their self-esteem is tied to their body image and how they're told, oh, lose it this way and do that. And all you have to do is this detox. And so like, there's been so much of, um, I don't know what the word is, but like so many people in this realm have like PTSD of yeah. like different health things that they've tried in the past that made it worse or didn't do anything. And they had to like kill themselves to eat this way, even though it was the wrong way to eat. And so there's all of like this previous baggage um, from, from people's own, like sort of, you know, health lifestyle journeys combined with advertisements, fueling insecurity and, and the loopholes around the FDA and all, all the stuff, man, it, it's a, it's a mess. It's like a whole mess. We could talk about this for like another six more hours and, <laughs> right. and we'd still be covering like the surface, you know? And so it's, it's brutal, but solely, but surely it's, it, it's changing. Yeah, dude. Excellent point there, man. Um, but yeah, dude, where, where can people connect with you? I know they're probably like, I want to hear more from Mark. I want to reference that post that Chris referenced. So, so where yeah. can people connect with you? I mean, honestly, the best place these days is just my Instagram. Cool. Just, um, M A R K M E T R Y. Follow me. Don't follow me. It's up to you. <laughs> awesome, brother. Um, any other final points you want to leave the uh, listeners with? I mean, I would just say that, uh, you know, like we're living in a time now where it has, in a way, it's it's never been more difficult to do the right thing because we have such an abundance of choices that our ancestors and other people throughout history didn't have. And like right now, it's it's like the exact moment where people who make the right choices are needed in a society. Because if you just look around, like at every layer of, of our society, it's gotten too far. The, the, the people being demoralized that the health issues, it's gotten too far. You know, we got to do something different. And ultimately, you know, like I, you know, for example, I look at my uncle, right. And my uncle, he, he came from Egypt a few years ago and um, Egypt, they had a, an entire revolution against their government. People died, all this mm. sort of stuff. They had to, they had to revolt. They had to revolt against the government twice uh, because the person who took it over was even worse than the last guy. Mm. And my uncle, he was literally a revolutionary. Like he was literally in the streets every day. He was literally organizing. He was literally getting people together, making sure people have what they need to eat and, and sleep and drink. And like, I look to someone like that and it's like, it's going to be regular people like my uncle who truly yeah. are able to, to get together and, and organize with other people and do something, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the way it's been always throughout history, you know? And so that's, that's the biggest takeaway message that I can say of like, I think right now so many people are being like subconsciously, push to believe that their life doesn't matter, that their voice doesn't matter, that they, it doesn't matter what they do on a regular basis. And that's what happens when you have a demoralized society. And that's exactly what's happened. But it's never been more important to care about what you say, what you think, uh, what you're doing in the world. It's never been more important at those things because we are at a real um, you know, point of contention, like in this, in this war um, where like – People are going to die. People are already dying right now. 
you know? And yeah. so it just depends where you're at in the world, whether you see this in front of your face or you don't, you know? And so it's, uh, it's real stuff. And, you know, I know that I can talk like this, you know, because you're a man and a lot of people in our society are afraid to have that conversation because it is scary stuff, but at the same time, it's needed, you know, the same, the same way that, you know, our ancestors and, and anyone who had a legacy in our family line, they did the things that were hard and they did the things that they had to stick up for. And, and, and also too, like, I look at all the leaders of, of history that we now look at that changed the world for the better in an unconceivable exponential ways. And what's interesting is that every single one of those people, when they were alive, were hated. Every single yeah. one of them. Every single one. There was not a single one who was loved by the majority of people and they were still alive and they changed the world. Never happened. You know, and so that to me is always a reminder too of like sometimes like that immediate feedback. If you're like a speaker or whatever, you're preaching a message, sometimes you have to ignore it. You know, yeah. and if you know you're you're on the truth, you're 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 speaking with like morality, you're doing the right thing, you gotta ignore it and you just gotta keep going. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm super pumped <laughs> up, man. Um <laughs> I know the listeners are, are amped as well. I'm sure if they're in the car right now, they're going like 120 down the highway. So, dude, oh no, did th- I say please? Th- th- thanks for that mic drop moment, brother. And uh, again, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. This is what I live for, man. I appreciate you, and I appreciate everyone out there listening. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to connect with Mark on Instagram. His information will be below in the show notes. And other than that, I hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.